1: You're a 415, 415, 415. you are all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be
0: for news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. We are back again. Yes, we are, the 415ers podcast coming to you as always three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you. Mark, it's a preview Friday before week six, 49ers Falcons. What's going on, man?
1: Uh, just a lovely Friday, Evan. Excited for another week of football, getting ready. Niners are still out on the East Coast uh, after a win last week. They'll get back home. They won't travel much after this, so enjoy this 10 a.m. game while you can because you won't have a Niners morning football for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, it's kind of nice, honestly, to wake up on a, a nice Sabbath, grab a cup of Joe, and just put your feet up and watch the Niners. Um, I mean, obviously, they're going to be happy to not have to go to the East Coast anymore at this point or have any long swings. Uh, but, you know, sometimes these games are, are can get a little interesting. And for them to be early in the morning here on the West Coast, I don't know about you, Mark. I kind of enjoy the 10 a.m. game sometimes when the West Coast team gets to go out back.
1: I'll be honest with you. I'm the, the best time in my, my mind is when the team that I care most about the 49ers kicks off at one, which generally is what happens. Not one. Well, yeah. one one oh five, one twenty five, 125 any, anywhere around there works for me because I mean, I, I'm sure you're, similar but i'm a big red zone guy my my preference is scott hansen and generally speaking you're shaking your head are you not a scott hansen guy are you a, i you're usually a silly no, no, guy? No, I,
0: I don't mind red zone i don't mind scott hansen i usually just like to lock in on one game to be quite honest so i'll, oh, so, I'll kind of had red zone on in the back maybe you know getting and my, my fantasy team is not very good mark so i'm not really <laughs> locked in as far as uh, all the different touchdowns that my team refuses to score is concerned
1: See, that's the point, though. I I want to have the prime red zone hours open so I can focus on red zone. And generally, there are more games in the early window, the, the 10 o'clock window than the 1 p.m. window. So I can watch for red zone from 10 to 1, and then I'll switch over and focus on, you know, the Niner game. But obviously, this week is different because they're playing at 10 o'clock. You have to lock in there and then you can, you know, figure out your red zone viewing later. Uh, But ideally, I think that that's the way I like it. But I'm not complaining about some morning football either.
0: See, maybe this is where we differ in our ideologies when it comes to viewing athletic events, because to me, I would rather watch a game in the morning, have my team win, preferably or lose and then have the rest of the day to reconcile with whatever emotions i'm going through after said game so if i can wake up you know i'll probably be yeah, i'll be honest i'll be a little doozy from saturday night so you know i'll <laughs> i'll have uh, maybe you know i don't know uh hair of the dog so to speak a little bit in the morning get things going and then as the game progresses uh, figure out, you know, how I'm going to feel about the game and the game's done by one o'clock. So I don't know, maybe call me somewhat of an early sports riser, but I don't know, man, getting the entire day to then figure out how I feel about an actual winner loss to me is, is a little more valuable than getting done at like four 30. And then you don't have time to go out and maybe run an errand. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a 10
1: AM guy. No, I mean, my goal on Sundays is as much football as possible. So I want to watch when there are a lot of games on, I want to be locked into those games. And that's why I use red zone, especially early in the morning, because there are a bunch of games happening right then. I don't, you know, I run all my errands, you know, on, on Fridays, you know, before or after work. And then on Saturday, you know, choose the window where there's not a good college football game on and go get all your stuff done. And then you can just lock in on your couch all Sunday. That's, that's the best way to go about it. I, we're we're getting off track, but we, we could probably talk about, you know, the way that we view our sporting events for a whole episode, but we should probably get on to the 49ers. So
0: I mean, I guess if you want. Uh Granny rests on the Sabbath. That's pretty much the takeaway from the first four minutes. Exactly. Uh 49ers Falcons. Niners on the road week 6, 3 and 2 their record, Falcons are 2 and 3 after a tough loss last week against Buck- the Buccaneers, to be quite honest. Uh miners are f- Niners are 5 point favorites in this game, total is 44 and a half, but where I want to start Mark is with because it, it seems like the last few episodes that we've done and understandably so, we've pretty much started with the 49ers defense and they they've been um Absolutely outstanding. Look they're on a historic pace as far as yards per play, points per game. Um, they've been very, very good so far this year. They just gave up their fifth touchdown of the season in their fifth game against Carolina last week. And so now I want to start with the offense here on today's episode and specifically with the quarterback, because Jimmy Garoppolo had some interesting comments about kind of the, the 49ers culture. And and this is something that every single team has to undergo as far as creating an identity. And I think a lot of people and a lot of fans for the 49ers are on the same page that it feels a lot like 2021, but to me kind of having that continuation of last season and a team that was very successful um, is, is pretty interesting to be able to sort of run it back in a sense, especially when you're introducing new pieces to running it back. And one of the pieces that's been very influential Especially on on defense, primarily, um, is Mooney, as you called him, Mooney. Don't call me Charvarius Ward, right? Yeah. So Jimmy Garoppolo was talking about Mooney Ward and how impressive he's been, and something stood out to us in that you know a reporter kind of asked to follow up when Jimmy said basically, "Look, he's made of the right stuff, right? He's one of us." And Jimmy kind of extrapolated on that, or uh, you know, went in a little more depth, saying like you know, when everyone is pulling in the same direction, like it's, it's hard to describe, but basically, you know, when a guy fits in and when he doesn't. And it seems like a lot of guys on the 49ers kind of unquestionably fit in, which as simple as that sounds, Mark, I don't know if you can necessarily say that for a lot of other teams around the league.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of teams who kind of preach, you know, bringing in good guys, high character guys and and kind of promoting and developing you know, chemistry within a team. Obviously, every team would want that. But, you know, I would say the vast majority of teams tend to err on the talent side as opposed to the, you know, how does this guy's personality fit, you know, with the team? I feel like the 49ers are are maybe on one extreme where I'm not saying one extreme is they're, you know, completely ignoring talent because of course they're not but they're on the extreme, I think, in the league where they probably value that character and, you know, th- those personalities more than other teams do. And and obviously you're going to get things wrong. There are exceptions. You know, there are times where either you you misjudge a a, a certain player's, you know, character or, or the way they are, you know, away from the football field. You know, there, there are examples we could go down a list. But I do think the 49ers tend to... Uh, I don't know, worry about those things more than other teams. I mean, that was most of the conversation around Trey Lance was obviously they they felt like he was a good player. But also, I mean, how many times did we hear Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch throughout, you know, right after the draft process and even up to now keep saying, uh, well, maybe, you know, whatever you want to say about him as a player. But he is a great guy. He is exactly the guy that we thought that he was. So I think those things really matter to the 49ers. And what Jimmy Garoppolo pointed out is that, you know, Mooney Ward is also one of those guys. Uh, You know, one thing that, that Garoppolo said in that in that same answer that you're referencing is he thinks guys who, who don't fit in with this franchise, they simply don't last here very long. And when you're made of the right stuff, when you're built like one of us, you'll fit in, you know, perfectly. So it, it. I mean that that's the answer right there if you are not you know pulling in the same direction if you're not getting along with people in this locker room uh you're probably gonna be on your way out of the door relatively soon whether or not you're a a, a good player a bad player whatever the case is in the case of mooney Ward I mean he's both he's been phenomenal as a shutdown corner. We talked about it, I think, a couple episodes, in, a couple episodes ago, in the reaction to the win in Week Five in Carolina. Maybe the best, you know, one-on-one cover corner the Niners have had in a, a really, really long time. Uh, but clearly, you know, based on everything that that the players and the coaches are, are saying about him, it's not only his play on the field, but it, it's the way that he's he's fitting in uh, emotionally with the guys in the locker room, and uh, maybe you want to you know, I don't know, not admit how important that is, but it's clearly important considering all the love that that this team has for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has has never said a bad word about any of his teammates either. I mean, that this obviously matters. I mean, how would this quarterback situation have gone? How would it have been different if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't the great guy that he was? One, he probably wouldn't be a 49er, and two, even if somehow he was uh, maybe he wouldn't have the support of his teammates like he like he does behind him. So I, I think it's it's really, really important. And um, that's why the Niners are so careful, I think, in free agency, bringing in big name guys because you're shelling out a lot of money and it's more than just the talent. You also are evaluating the person and how he's going to fit in your locker room.
0: Yeah, and, and that's to me a big part of why as much as Jimmy Garoppolo is not the best player on the 49ers he might not even be in the top five as far as the best players on the 49ers talent wise skill wise but when it comes to leadership i do think he does embody that you know right stuff so to speak and jimmy garoppolo seems to have everyone on board not only in reference to you know liking him and supporting him um but Just seeming to like, I I do think a big part of why a lot of people on the team rally around Jimmy G is example A, as we're talking about, because he immediately is able to recognize, you know, maybe he can't recognize a, you know, zone coverage, but he can recognize who is going to be a valuable piece of the 49ers, not only on the field, but also off of it. And I think also too, because so many people are, are split on Garoppolo and understandably so that the players see the way that Jimmy is covered and they see the way that he reacts or in a lot of cases doesn't react to the coverage of him. And I think a lot of athletes and particularly 49ers respect that because when he goes out and has a game like he does against Denver, he's the exact same guy as when you know he goes out and has a pretty decent game as we all put together against Carolina. So, you know, he he's consistent week in and week out, and he always seems to give praise and, you know, he's very humble about himself. He's very, um, you know, positive towards his teammates like that to me is is in a way what makes the right stuff. It's not necessarily who the best guy is, but who the right person for the job is. And at least for right now, obviously, the 49ers have only one option at quarterback for Jimmy Garoppolo. but. I do think that as the season progresses and you, you know, injuries are going to continue to fall upon the 49ers, hopefully not as impactful as they have been in the first 5 weeks, but you're going to have to find those guys to step up with the right stuff because you're not going to have the luxury of picking, you know, top talented guys. Hopefully, you know, there's a bunch of Mooney wards out there that can play as well as he has so far, but you're going to need guys, I think more so and more more importantly to be on the same page Rather than all right, I just need a guy that can run a four two and catch a you know catch a ball over people.
1: Yeah, and, and quickly back to Mooney. I was pouring through some Kyle Shanahan transcript transcripts from earlier this week, and it kind of jogged my memory. He was asked about the signing of you know Mooney Ward this off season and and how important that was, and if he's been surprised at all by his play so far this year. And Shanahan kind of you know said what we're talking about here. He said. You know, obviously, that's what we had hoped that Mooney Ward was going to be like. That's what we wanted to get. That's what we're paying for. And they talked about kind of the challenges of signing a big guy in free agency. He said, you know, we kind of look into that stuff almost every year in terms of signing, you know, a a guy to a big free agent contract. And he says, you know, you get into free agency, the money gets so high and, and so did his you see the kind of player with, with that money attached to him, and we think it would be worth it for him to come in. And, and, you know, they got it right. He's been exactly, you know, what they thought he's been is what Shanahan said. But he followed up and said it's, it's really hard to do that. You know, it, it took the team a while to be able to do that. But when you do take a swing, you hope that you hit. And Shanahan said they really feel like they have. So, again, it's kind of like a, a multi-pronged challenge it's easier to see the talent on display and, you know, maybe it it differs from, you know, from different systems, you know, with different defenses to, to a whole, you know, different setup. Uh, But it's also kind of trying to manage, you know, personalities and how they all, all fit. And I think that's where Jimmy Garoppolo probably deserves maybe the most credit. We've talked a lot about the kind of guy he is and he's maybe, you know, the only, quarterback who's been to a Super Bowl as a starter for a whole season that would have been willing to come back to the situation as a backup quarterback. I think that, you know, when you have your quarterback kind of setting that example, um I think it probably gives your coaching staff and, you know, your your roster builders, your front office a little more leeway in terms of the kind of players that they're bringing in. Because when you see your leader, your quarterback, whether or not he's your best player, whether or not he's your team MVP, when you see the leader of your team, your starting quarterback, exhibit that kind of, um, I don't know, exuding that kind of atmosphere, that kind of energy, I feel like it it can kind of correct a lot of ills throughout the rest of the team. So I think that's probably where Garoppolo deserves a lot of credit. Not taking anything away from, you know, any of the other individual players who you know, seems like they're they're all fantastic people. I mean, everyone was singing the praises of Jeff Wilson Jr. this week. He's beloved in the locker room. That's the case for a number of guys. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo and just kind of the person that he is helps um, not not necessarily cover up some other things, but influences everyone and kind of pushes everyone in the right direction.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to Bluenile.com. That's Bluenile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Well, we're pushing three podcasts a week to you on the four one fivers. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Follow me on Twitter at egittings Ten. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 957 the game as always. No, it just I just keep coming back to you know, the the right stuff. Like I don't know why it's been sitting in my mind. Um have you seen the movie, by the way? the nineteen eighty three film, The Right Stuff. Oh, I don't I don't think I have. So it it's about Uh, Alan Shepard and Chuck Yeager, the first two men to try and um, basically take flight into space. Right. So the Russians are the first ones in Sputnik. Uh, You know, then it's up to the U S to try and combat the Russians and get into space. And Alan Shepard uh, is eventually one that does it. Uh, I remember Ed Harris is in the movie. I'm not sure who else. Uh, I think maybe Dennis Quaid, but the The whole point of it is basically these American test pilots that like they're not astronauts at all. They have not been into space. And a mm-hmm. lot of people viewed this mission as essentially a, a suicide mission. The whole the whole the main quote is spam in a can, like you're, you're putting spam in a can into space on national television. And all of these guys have to basically pull in the right direction, knowing that there might be failure knowing that they're probably not the most qualified guys for the job but they're given the opportunity to try and basically win you know in disadvantageous positions and it seems like the 49ers you know have created this this culture um through Shanahan through Garoppolo through Kittle uh, Bosa a lot of guys that aren't always maybe the right men for the job in a certain position, but they pull in the same direction. And that is, you know, it's quite literally what Jimmy Garoppolo referenced in his press conference on Thursday, but something that it appears easy for talented players, such as a Mooney Ward, you know, other players that are coming in rookies, young guys, uh, free agents, a guy like Charles Amenihue came over at the trade deadline last year, who's now really had a chance to, demonstrate he's got the right stuff like there there has been a lot of opportunity for players to step in sort of seamlessly and whether they're you know an all-pro player or 50 second man on the roster like they're able to sort of embrace the culture that the 49 have created the last couple of years and now seems to be evident this season it's just interesting to me how you know a, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo can be In one breath, you know, a a a below average quarterback sometimes. Maybe he's above some days, but also be the right man for the job. And I I got to give him credit in that sense. Like he does appear to be someone who has the right stuff. And I'm not really sure where it starts in the organization, but again, you know it when you see it. And that's why I feel like most people are confident in the 49ers moving forward, not just in week six, but beyond. Mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, we've, we've talked a lot about his play and he's certainly been good the last couple of weeks. You know, I think I said it a couple of times. I, I would expect, you know, some more dips at some point, maybe not necessarily this week in Atlanta. know we're going to dive into that game here in a bit. Uh, this, in fact, might be a game where you need Jimmy Garoppolo more than normal because of the injury report. I mean, there's potential for the Niners to not have really their entire starting defensive line. Uh, no official word yet on on anyone. You know, at the time we're recording, but I, I wouldn't really expect Nick Bosa to play on Sunday. He did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Samson uh, Ebucom was back at practice yesterday on Thursday, but he did not play Wednesday. Kyle Shanahan said it's you know Achilles tendinitis uh, because of the artificial turf in Carolina. Guess what? Uh, inside uh, the mercedes, Mercedes-Benz mercedes Stadium in Atlanta, artificial turf. So I don't know if that's going to have any impact on Samson Ebucom. I think there's a name that you brought up, the trade deadline acquisition last year, Charles Amenhue. Uh, I think that probably means he's going to be asked to do more, and he's been really good so far this season. He's ranked number four among edge rushers in pro football focuses pass, pass rush win rate, say that five times fast. So uh, I think that he is, <laughs> I think he is going to uh, be asked to do uh, a little bit more. Um, and I know I'm, I'm totally taking this in a different direction from what you were, you were previously saying, but I, I think that this is a moment considering all the injuries. I mean, our Eric Armstead didn't even make the trip. He's not going to play. Javon Kinlaw is with the team on the East coast, but he'll likely not play as well. It seems very likely that he won't play. Uh, So this might be a moment where you see some, you know, cracks in the 49ers defense, not because they were, you know, overhyped or anything just simply because of, you know, the lack of healthy bodies at this moment, this might be a moment, Evan, where we need to see more from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been much better the last two weeks, but he admitted it himself earlier this week uh, on Thursday, when he spoke saying we left some points out there in Carolina, we need to be better. So Um, You know, the Falcons, they aren't aren't going to blow you away offensively. They're mostly a a ground attack team, despite the fact that they have some injuries in their run game. Cordero Patterson is on IR. They're starting running back and, you know, kind of their most uh, versatile weapon offensively. Uh, But this might be a game where you might not expect it because it's the Falcons, but you might need the offense to, you know, put up four touchdowns in this game because maybe the defense is going to be a little beleaguered.
0: Yeah, no, I'm kind of with you, and and just looking at the 49ers' two losses, uh, you know, the Denver Broncos ran for 101 yards. Chicago Bears, granted, they were kind of forced to, but they ran for nearly 100 yards. They had 99. So, you know, a, a team that is able to run the ball effectively, especially against a defensive line that is missing some pieces, you know, could prove problematic on Sunday for the 49ers. And and I'm and I'm glad you you kind of take it there because. That is to me why I feel like if he can go, I I do think Nick Bosa should play on Sunday because I, I know that groin injuries are sort of tough to to, you know, diagnose as far as the severity of it. And look, his, his brother, Joey Bosa, is dealing with a groin injury. Granted, it's much more severe, but he's out eight to 10 weeks. And so I understand that you know, potential aggravation means you miss your your best player on your roster for a long period of time. But if he can go, I I believe he should, because this is a chance for the 49ers to to take down a, an inferior opponent. Granted, one that at least from what I've seen the first five weeks, I haven't locked into every single minute of Falcons football. Come but on. they but they kind of they kind of drag people into the mud with them. Like they they are very good at making their opponents play down to their level and I mean they did it against Tampa Bay. Um I mean they've look they they almost came back and beat the Rams. Like they are a team that if you let them hang around, they can surprise you and potentially upset you, which is why I don't think San Francisco should try and get cute at all. And if Bosa can go, he's got to be out there just even as a presence to take pressure off the rest of that defensive line, pass rush, and rushing attack, which Bosa, I think, maybe gets a little undervalued in how good he is against the run. Uh, For a team that has, look, I mean, Russell Wilson is, he, he can run, but really the first dual threat quarterback as far as a run first, pass second offense under Marcus Mariota. And and the Atlanta
1: Falcons, um, yeah, I, I do think he should be out there if he can go. It's interesting because I, I think there's probably a lot of Forty Nine er fans out there that feel, uh, you know, it's it's the Falcons. I, we know this is an important game. You got to win this game. You got the Chiefs and Rams coming up next before the bye. You want to get to four and two. You do not want to return home three and three three staring at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and. You know, you lose that game, which is certainly possible. You're, you're back to below 500. So this is obviously a really important game. And there were kind of reports and, and murmurs coming out of, you know, San Francisco, the 49ers headquarters in Santa Clara before this trip. And the team was saying, if we don't return four and two, you know, that's a failure and, and we feel like we're in trouble. So they obviously know how important this game is but I don't know. I, I feel like I kind of lean the other way. I mean, if he's cleared, he's cleared, you know, maybe, you you know, you play him, but I feel like they might need to get, you know, an extra step further kind of in the, you know, clearing process of a player returning from injury because it's arguably your most important player offensively or defensively. I mean, you can make that argument, Nick Bosa is you know kind of the engine that makes things work defensively. There's obviously a lot of a lot of you know star power on this team, offense and defense, but he might be the number one guy, the most important guy. Uh, and it's clear. I mean you saw when he went out in week five in Carolina, did not play the whole second half. It's not like Carolina you know just rained down the field and scored touchdowns on every possession. but clearly they were able to do more in that second half offensively than in the first half. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that was when Nick Bosa was on the sideline. So, you know, maybe if he's cleared, maybe you dress him, you have him ready if you need him, but you're not going to play him all that often. That's maybe a happy medium. But I I do think there's a lot of Niner fans out there, Evan, who are thinking to themselves, let's not risk a long-term Nick Bosa injury week six against the Falcons. Is it worth it? Obviously, the the key question to consider is, well, can you win without Nick Bosa? And uh, maybe that comes down to the health around him on the defensive line. If Ebukam is going to play, Um, you know, a couple other guys behind him who who might be nicked up. I think that might be where the conversation does stem to. But it's it's kind of a a tough balancing act because you clearly want to win the game. But you also want to uh, save your star pass rusher for maybe more important games, which, you know, the next two weeks are
0: sure i I do get that, but if it really is a groin injury that's gonna be a lingering thing, I mean, you sit him out this week. he plays next week against the chiefs. maybe he tweaks it then. maybe he tweaks it in practice. like it i I don't know. I, I just feel like if he gets cleared and is able to be on the field, maybe it's not for a hundred percent of snaps. maybe it's not for seventy five percent, but he he just his presence alone to me changes the game and like, I, I know you're kind of dancing around it, but I'll take it a step further. Like, Nick Bosa is undoubtedly the best player on the 49ers. I, I, I don't think it's actually that is, close.
1: Is best player and most important player like the same in your mind?
0: Same. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah. well, for him, it doesn't matter. Like, that, that's just how <laughs> good he is. Like, I know that people have liked to make uh, the connection between Shanahan and, and having a healthy quarterback correlating to a 49ers deep playoff run. Yeah. But to me, uh, the bigger correlation is the fact that Nick Bosa was on the field in 2019 and 2021. He missed 2020. Point. They made they didn't make the playoffs. So as he goes, the 49ers go. I know that's weird to say for a defensive player, but that's that's how high I hold him.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I I mean, I, you won't hear an argument for me. He is absolutely incredible, and uh, I, I think that we probably get a little too. I'm not sure what the word is overhyped about the depth of the 49ers defensive line. They obviously have, you know, a lot of talent and we just ran through some of the names. I mean, they've been playing without DeForest Buckner and, and or pardon me, uh, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner before that. I'm getting my, my former Oregon ducks mixed up Evan. my apologies. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. It's a b- big game for Mark this week. If anyone didn't know, Mark Grandy is a graduate of the university of Oregon. Let's go
1: ducks. Yeah, so uh, they so he might playing... actually be
0: rooting for the Falcons.
1: <laughs> of course not, of course not. But I wouldn't <laughs> mind to see uh, to see the greatest college quarterback of all time, Marcus Mariota, play well. So, <laughs> oh, you meant Nate Longshore. <laughs> and if you can't tell, uh, Evan is a cow Bears football fan.
0: Yeah, so. I come from the other side of the bridge originally from the Berkeley area. But the the the, the point remains: uh, Mark would love to see Marcus throw for three touchdowns and the 49ers win by 20. That's okay, I, but that, that, that's what that, you're trying to get at.
1: Uh, eh, that's obviously not going to happen. I mean, this is not a pass first uh, Falcons offense. If you have Kyle Pitts on your fantasy team, I sincerely apologize because that's looking like the biggest bust in, in fantasy football this year. I don't know why they don't use him more often, but they don't. They're a run first team. Even when Marcus Mariota drops back to pass, he has the ability to run. Himself, uh, so they're not going to throw for 300 yards. That would, uh, I would be uh, very, very willing to, to put some money on that. Um, but I do think that maybe we kind of overvalue the 49ers defensive line depth, Evan. Um, because you know, clearly they're playing well, but I mean, how much of that is a credit to Nick Bosa and all the attention? that he you know demands I mean he's double teamed by opposing offensive lines you have a running back on his side of the line whatever edge he's rushing from to chip him as well sometimes you you commit three offensive players just to limiting Nick Bosa what does that do for other you know uh, pass rushers it it presents you with one-on-one matchups if you can win a one-on-one matchup every so often you're going to get pressures you're going to get quarterback hits and you're going to get sat, sacks I'm not saying that you know Samson Nebuchadnezzar and and Charles who are, you know, they're people are overrating them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think probably a lot of the success by some of the others on the defensive line, you can probably, you know, indirectly credit that to Nick Bosa just because of how dominant he is and how much, you know, attention he demands. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice,
0: Well, we demand your attention three times a week on the Odyssey (laughs) Sports Podcast Network, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The 415ers coming at you as always. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy. Pardon me, Mark. I do think that's an interesting question on the D-line because this is where... And look, it's only one game, but I do think that I kind of have... Not not necessarily a theory, but just like a a running note of things about the 49ers that I, I find to be interesting. One of which is the running back room and how much of a revolving door it's been and the, I guess, the the production that it hasn't lacked. Like, it's kind of just been in motion, very consistent, no matter who's been in the backfield. Well, I think this is a week, should Nick Bosa not play, and maybe even if he does, because he'll probably be limited, he won't be 100%. This will be a week where we find out if the defensive line can play musical chairs and be a rotating door door and still play at a high level. And we know that for the running back group, but I'm not sure if we've found out that on the D line yet. So there's a lot of guys right now that have been productive to the point this season. I mean, look, Kevin Givens, Hassan Ridgeway, we might see a lot more of Drake Jackson, the rookie out of USC. Like there's going to be some of those backups in recent weeks that will get a chance to strut their stuff more against Atlanta. And we'll find out if that depth is really, like you said, as highly valued as a lot of people have made it out to be. I mean, just the amount of bodies that 49ers can throw at you is valuable in and of itself, but we'll find out how good they are against a Falcons team that is not necessarily prolific, but they do kind of wear you down over the course of a game. And so to me, what I'm looking for is all right, how can they keep the Falcons in check as far as the run is concerned? Can they contain uh, Mariota? Because, I mean, not necessarily as far as like, you know, him running for 100 yards, but I just mean like keep him in the pocket. Um, force him to throw the football. That's how I would assume that the 49ers are going to try to ask the Falcons to beat them through the air rather than on the ground. So can they do that? And can they maintain the level of production that they have the first five weeks? Maybe not. But the theory of whether the D line can be like the new running back group is something that I'm certainly paying attention to.
1: That's an interesting comparison. I like it. And you know, you mentioned how the Falcons might try to attack. You know, the the Forty defense. And, and D'Amico Ryan's was talking about that on Thursday, saying they they're going to run the ball. They they're not trying to hide it. They don't disguise it. They're telling you they're going to run the ball, and they do run the ball. And they've been pretty good running the ball so far this year. Uh, you know, Cordell Patterson, who we mentioned earlier, he's out. He was their starting running back, had a couple of monster games the first three weeks. Uh, he he willed the Falcons to victory against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in week three up in Seattle. But he's out. They kind of have like a, a a three-headed rushing attack now, not including Marcus Mariota, who will run a bit as well from the quarterback position. But Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, and Avery Williams, you're probably going to see all of them with a handful of carries on Sunday. Uh, they're going to cycle in. They're going to stay relatively fresh against this 49ers front seven. Uh, we'll probably see them run the ball a lot. What's interesting, though, from Atlanta, you figure a team that loves to run the ball and that has been pretty good at it so far this year, they probably have a pretty good, uh, you know, run blocking offensive line, right? Actually, no. They're the strength of their offensive line is pass blocking. They rank third in the NFL in pass block win rate. From ESPN, uh, Jake Matthews, Caleb McGarry, Drew Dahlman, they've all been really good on the offensive line for Atlanta. But you consider the fact that they've blocked well on passing plays. They really haven't thrown the ball well. And, and most of that, unfortunately, for my fellow University of Oregon graduate, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Mariota, is because he hasn't played that well. I mean, he's he's completing 48% of his passes the last two games. That's not good. He's been sacked 12 times this season, despite the fact that his offensive line is blocking really well on passing downs. That's simply too much. He's holding on to the ball too long. He's trying to do too much with his legs. Uh, he's getting sacked. So, um, despite the fact that this is a good pass blocking team, Evan, I do think there are opportunities for the 49ers defensive line, regardless of who is rushing the passer to get out and get after Marcus Mariota, simply because this is a team that isn't playing that well. It doesn't seem like he trusts his targets down the field that often. We've talked about Kyle Pitts. Don't know what the hell is going on there. Um, but, But I think there are opportunities for this 49er team to limit Atlanta. We talked about their run game. The Niners, the best rushing defense in the league, allowing about three yards per carry defensively. And then we know about the pressure that they can put on quarterbacks. So I do think regardless of who is out there, we will see this diner defense have some success, especially um, against that, you know, the quarterback and and, and the passing game of the Falcons.
0: Yeah, I do wonder how much the effectiveness in the pass uh, for the offensive line is due to the fact that everyone is kind of gearing up for the run. Like the defensive lines are generally not pinning their ears back because they know that a running back is going to get by them if they're overly aggressive. So I, I I do kind of wonder how much, um, you know, through the first five weeks there is to that, but, but it's definitely something to take note of, especially if you're potentially without your best pass rusher in Nick Bosa. Um, I got a Marcus Mariota stat for you, Mark.
1: Oh, give it to me
0: right now. He's on pace for 3,150 passing yards. That would be 200 more yards than Michael Vick ever threw for with the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Wow. Wow. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, Marcus I mean, Mariota
0: is basically Michael Vick.
1: <laughs> yeah, Wake me when he's, you know, breaking off like 60-yard <laughs> runs every game. Uh, I mean, they, I'm not sure you're, you're breaking much <laughs> news there with that one. I appreciate the effort. I mean, I'm always here to support my fellow Ducks, but I don't know about that one.
0: I'm just trying to fit it in. Uh, no, but basically like, so I believe Drake London, his, his leading receiver right now, the, the rookie out of USC, who who honestly he could probably get the ball to more and hasn't, yeah. um, you know, but Pitts is third behind. I'm not even going to try and say his first name. I'll butcher it. But uh, Zacchaeus is his last name, uh, the second leading receiver for the Falcons. So, you know, there are some quote-unquote weapons for the Falcons to use. It's just a matter of getting them the football. And maybe this is a week without, like you mentioned, uh, Core Daryl score Daryl for all of those of you who follow fantasy football without Patterson in the backfield. Maybe this is a week where, you know, Mariota and the Falcons try and throw the ball a little bit more. I don't think he's thrown for any more than like 220 yards this year. Not to say that that'll change. Uh, and I believe the 49ers as a defense have allowed two passing touchdowns or two touchdowns through the year as a defense of the five. So, I mean, it's very difficult to throw on these guys. But then again, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, his season is done. What's going to happen at the corner position? And maybe it's another duck in the Lenore. Like, um, you know, there, there are definitely... Options and, and that's actually something, even though it's not a strength of the Falcons, I'm also paying attention to is okay, with Ward clearly covering up one side of the field or whoever they, they want to put him on, how is the other corner going to react to whether it be London or Zacchaeus or even Kyle Pitts if they decide to finally throw him the football?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in you know that other corner. Who is it going to be replacing Emmanuel Mosley? Uh, Jason Verrett they've opened his window to return from injury reading the tea leaves it it doesn't seem like he's going to play in this game we'll probably know you know in a few hours uh, recording this here Friday morning Uh, probably not going to know until later today the latest update from Kyle Shanahan Um, but we might you know see you mentioned Diamador Lenore we saw a lot of Ambry Thomas last year he's kind of fell down the pecking order it seems like. I'm guessing we'll probably see Samuel Womack uh, a little bit more of him, who we saw early in the season, but then Diamandor Lenore kind of stepped past him on the depth chart, the pecking order. We'll probably see more Womack. We'll, we'll see some or Lenore. And then when Verrett is ready to come back, he'll probably step into to most of that role. Um, so I, I am interested in that. And I think all all of this, the injuries to the defensive line, the injuries, the defensive secondary, it just puts that much more pressure on Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. And I think we kind of brush it off, Evan. We being, you know, you know, those of us that that cover the 49ers, how good the linebacker play has been, despite the fact that they lost one of their starters, Aziz Alshire. Shire. Aziz is a fantastic player, and I'm not speaking any will any ill of him, but the Niners haven't really missed him all that much. And it's because of Dre Greenlaw. We, we've even seen Demetrius Flanagan fouls uh, get in and, and and play decent in some limited action as well. Um, a lot of the credit goes to Fred Warner. He's just great and he's an iron man. Never seen that that guy miss a, a game. Knock on wood that, that continues, of course. Uh, and Dre Greenlaw has been really good. They have stepped up when they've been asked to do more so far. And maybe this is the game where they're asked to do more than they ever have because of the injuries kind of bookending their defense and they're right there stuck in the middle.
0: Yeah, I think those questions are why the line is currently San Francisco minus five as opposed to, you know, maybe like the the seven it was last week opening yeah. against Carolina. Uh, speaking of which, let's get to it, Mark. Predictions for the game. Week six, 49ers down in the ATL taken on the Falcons. I think that this game... And the the, the total is a little bit interesting to me considering the low amount it's been for the 49ers each of the past, I'd say, three weeks. Yeah. 44 and a half and a Falcons team that isn't necessarily running up the scoreboard. Um, I, I do think the 49ers take care of business in this game. I do think it's going to be close, though. Not necessarily in a back and forth type lead change battle. But the Falcons have shown that they are a pesky group that doesn't give up and are a team that, you know, if they're down 16 to the Rams, can come back and make it a close game. Uh, If they're down by double digits to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady on the road can come back and make it a close game. I think they do something similar but fall a bit short to the 49ers. I'm going to say it is San Francisco 27, Atlanta 24. And so that over will hit.
1: All right. Interesting. I have a very, very similar prediction as you quickly to your point. I think this will be a competitive game through five games, which includes some pretty good teams. I mean, you have the Saints. You know, they're not great, but, you know, they're a decent team. The Rams uh, defending Super Bowl champions, despite the fact that they have struggled. The Browns with Jacoby percent, they're nothing special, but they're not a bad team. And the Buccaneers. And then, of course, the Seahawks Uh, week one. Lost by one, week two, lost by four, week three, win by four, week four, win by three. And last week they lose by six. So all games decided by a score. Uh, so, you know, what does that say? This is a team with their running attack. They're going to keep things close. Uh, they're going to kind of shorten games down with longer drives. And I, I think as a result, this game will stay close as well. I do think the Niners cover. Uh, I say they also get 27 points. But 27 to 20, San Francisco is my score prediction. The over also hits in this game, which is uh, kind of a uh, bold. I know the over hit yes or last week, but uh, I think we've we've talked about on past episodes. Just take unders every single time you'll you'll come out on top. <laughs> but I think this might be one of the exceptions because of the injuries defensively and the Niner offense is feeling better. I think they'll put up a, a few points. So 27-20. I have the Niners coming out on top, putting their third in a row and improving to four and two.
0: Perhaps my biggest question, though, Mark, and I, I just looked up a random prop for those of you degenerates out there. Okay, uh, I'm interested. Can the 49ers defense score for a third straight week? Oh, what are the odds on that one? <laughs> the 49ers defense anytime touchdown is plus 525.
1: Is that just actually- defense or does that include special teams? Do you know?
0: It's defense and special team. Sorry. Okay. Yes. So it's both. But I thought it was interesting because that is better odds to score a touchdown than Jawan Jennings <laughs> and Jimmy Garoppolo, who has been known to, you know, take one in himself from time to time. I just think it's funny that the defense has better odds than members in the offense to score.
1: Uh, that, that that, is... that's,
0: that's how good the Niners defense has been lately.
1: That is pretty funny, yeah. Uh, I would probably not bet that this week. It's happened two weeks in a row. Your defense is a little uh, banged up at the moment. Uh, don't call me a hater, but I I would probably stay away from that one this week if I if I were putting some some chicken down on it.
0: Yeah, I I might zig where Mark zags, but I guess we'll find out on Sunday. Um that'll do it for this episode of the four one fivers. Mark appreciate you as always. Uh three times a week. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, download, rate, subscribe, five stars. Uh that that's the minimum. We've been getting a lot of five stars, Mark. I, I must say, not as many as an SEC school, but you know, a, a pretty good <laughs> amount.
1: Maybe as many as uh Oregon does, huh?
0: Well, not many. That, that, <laughs> I, I, we, we get more than Oregon, I, I think. Okay.
1: That's fair.
0: All right. Uh, we'll, we'll be coming at you on Monday with the reaction episode to 49ers Falcons. In the meantime, enjoy the 10 a.m. game. Try to enjoy your red zone as well. And uh, Mark and I will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everyone.